welcome to episode 55 of Thorn in My Side. I'm here as always with my host, Izzy Brown. How you been, hey, Izzy? I've been doing great. I'm sorry for... We oh, haven't posted in a while because my computer has been broken. We haven't posted since the end of February, and this is the end of March, so yeah. in our true fashion, we're being lazy pieces of work. We did three <laughs> episodes in February, and that was the shortest month, so... Yeah, and so we're we're making up for it a little we're bit. Sorry, we uh we have lives too and stuff that we got to do. Yeah, I've I've had a broken PC for two weeks yeah. and couldn't yeah. figure out what the hell was going on with it. Turns out it was a bad audio cable. Like you know, I tried to do good by that audio cable. I put it to a good school. The, uh, I gave it all the chances I never had, and it just turned out to be you know a bad audio cable. <laughs> Crazy. I forgot what I was gonna say, but. Well, yeah, that's we what have... I get for adopting an audio cable off of Craigslist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we, we our lives don't revolve solely around this podcast because, you know, you don't even send us emails, so. Yeah, exactly, you know. You could email us at thorninmysidepodcast at gmail.com, but we don't Who knows, email. maybe in the last month we've gotten an email demanding us come back. Should we check beforehand and be... Just severely disappointed. Let's just di get disappointed out the gate. Fuck it. We'll yeah, start off with disappointment, it. and then we can redeem the episode with the kick-ass <laughs> articles. Have you we, been looking we'll at do the a, group? I have been looking at the group. Uh, Somebody's been posting in the group, <clears throat> and I think it's just like weird shit. Yeah, it's been it's it's been a lot of uh, weird video posts. Yeah. And, it's and like I, stuff that you'll watch to the end and it's nothing. It was like, that was fucking dumb. It's like, why did I like yeah, something about like, like a guy with a chainsaw? It's just yeah. now I kept the I kept the big booty girl on there because who doesn't like a big booty girl? Right. I don't know anybody. Yeah, anyway, I mean, we don't we don't have any. any I'm as gay as the dog that we're about to talk about. And I like big booty girls. I mean, I'm just saying who doesn't <laughs> who who doesn't. Cause all I want for my birthday is a big booty hoe. Is a big booty hoe or a big booty hole? Hmm. Mm. The, the plot thickens. I think it's just a big booty hoe, but we're not here to discuss the semantics of that song. That's like probably 20 years old now. Isn't that crazy to think like all the music we used to listen to is considered classic music now? Oh my god, and so is... That's how you know you're old when your fucking music you listen to in high school is on the classic rock station. Yep, uh, and it's disappointing too because like you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, this just came out last year! <laughs> Wait, oh god, no. <laughs> Did I say what episode this was? Yes! Oh. Episode <laughs> 55. Yeah, that's right, 55. We're driving the speed limit, baby. I can't drive... 55 I don't even know if that's how the song goes. Anyway, did were we starting out with the gay dog? Yeah, let's 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 start off with the gay dog. We got a story and it's about a, a gay dog from the Huffington Post. So you know it's legit. Fezco dog ditched at shelter because owners thought he was gay. Got adopted. Steve Nichols and his partner John told TMZ they adopted the abandoned pup Tuesday because they have also faced discrimination. Let me guess they're gay too. Probably. Nothing they're wrong with that. I world. mean, it's like we're gay. We might as well get a gay dog too. 
Yeah, exactly. It's just like if we're gonna be butt fucking, we want to see them butt fucking too. We want to. <laughs> exactly. It's part of the gay agenda. It's yeah, exactly. Fesco has a new home and name. Why did they rename him? The North Carolina dog who was dumped at a shelter by his owners because he humped another male dog and the owners feared he was gay <laughs> has been adopted. You know, okay, so like that's not really proof. Like, you know, I've humped a couple of straight or well, I've straight girls. I've humped a couple of girls before, but that doesn't make me, you know, straight. No. Like now did now did the dog come out and be like, Yes, queen? That's how you know. That's how you know right there. Like, if the dog comes out and it's wearing high heels, that's a gay dog. It's wearing a Golden Girl shirt. <laughs> golden Girl, yeah, a Golden Girl shirt. If if they if they are if they're the Blanche of the neighborhood, that's a gay dog. <laughs> that's funny. So if the, if the gay dog comes, goes, does anyone want to stuff my pussy? <laughs> <laughs> stuff my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so the Stanley County Animal Protective Service and. Albermarl posted on Facebook Tuesday that Fezco had found new humans to love him for who he is. Pelvic gyrations and all. <laughs> <laughs> this is, man, where was this at again? Uh, I want to say it was in one of the Carolinas. Oh, North yeah. Carolina. That, that makes sense why they would take the dog back then. Look, this damn dog's gay. Dude, I used to have a dog, and he humped, exclusively humped uh, a Mini Cooper plush. Uh, I, I guess he was trying to get some autoerotic. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> autoerotic, I got it. Auto, it was into autoerotica, huh? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, the shelter also confirmed to HuffPost that the dog's new owners are Steve Nichols and his longtime partner, John, who spoke to TMZ on Tuesday about why they welcomed the very friendly pooch into their home. We'd always been a fan of bestiality, but just never... <laughs> never pulled the trigger on it. And then we heard about this gay dog. And we thought to ourselves, well, we want our pussy stuffed. <laughs> <clears throat> So the couple said they renamed Fezco Oscar after the Irish poet and playwright Oscar Wilde, who was gay. Nichols. Okay, well, that's a cute name. <laughs> yeah, Nichols told TMZ that they felt an immediate connection to Oscar and his story because they have been also faced with discrimination. The couple added that Oscar's previous owners were not only bigoted, but apparently pretty bad at taking care of him. The dog hasn't been neutered and has heartworms. Aww. Oh, the poor baby. Oh, that makes me feel bad about laughing at him, but only like a smidge. Yeah, there was apparently some white trash that had it before. <laughs> Oscar's new owners told the website that they intend to nurse the pup back to health. The couple already has another dog named Harry, a terrier chihuahua mix, who's around to help lift Oscar's furry <laughs> spirit. He's like, I got some hot bussy, Oscar. <laughs> Come and blow he's my like, back out. He's like, I'm a terrier chihuahua mix. It's going to feel like a gigaton going off in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Chihuahua. Could there be any less attractive dog? <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. It seems that Fezco slash Oscar got over got the over hump. The hump. Ba -dum -dum <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Who writes this comedy? Who fucking writes oh, this? Oh, this was the Huffington Post. Yeah, I know, but I could write a fucking article that good. 
Oh God, yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, you're barely literate, so I mean, come on, that's. This is. Are you in? Are you inhaling? Is that the reason why? <laughs> like the fuck. Inhaling. I was uh, I was taking a sip of my smoothie. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I was, was like. That was a rather short article. That was a short article. Uh, that dog should have done some more crazy gay shit that we could have made fun of. <laughs> that dog. That dog is all of a sudden like, oh no. A waffle with a hole in it. Uh, but yeah, no, I. Dogs just I, hump I'm, stuff. They're not, they don't make them gay. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, if I had a quarter for every dog that I've seen hump a random thing. Yeah. I wish I could find that article about gay lines in Kenya. Because <laughs> I have a joke where I say something about, you know, Googling gay lines, and I actually do f- did find an article about that. And in the article, they were talking about how they thought the lions saw, like, gay men having sex in the park, so they were, like, being gay now. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they said in the article. That's what the people at the park fucking believed. They believed that the the fucking lions had seen gay people fucking in the park, and then they were like, oh, that looks fun. Let's fuck each other. But... I couldn't take that at face value. No, no, so, I wouldn't be able to so take that. So I did my due diligence either. and dug deeper, and it turns out that it's actually normal behavior for lions to do that because when they don't have prides, they break off, and the males form groups called coalitions, which in and of itself sounds pretty fucking gay, but it's not. It's a gay lion coalition. Rawr. Rawr. Yeah, and... <laughs> But no, it was like they're not actually having sex, and they know this because they say when they enter into a female line, they instantly ejaculate, and the males were like humping each other for way longer than that. So they were just doing it for for like bro pleasure. Like I've had guys, I've had guy friends like that. You know, they're they're not gay, but they'll fuck me for like five hours and their girl for like a minute and a half. <laughs> like that's a thing. That's funny. No, I, 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 can you imagine the intelligence that they're attributing to those lions? They're like, well, the lions saw the two gay guys humping each other, and the lions thought to themselves, hey, <laughs> we can also do that with other male lions. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. <like."> yes. <laughs> and then they went and fucking bought a Prius together. They, <laughs> they have a nice bed and breakfast on the fucking belt. Yeah. Fuck it. Like... The uh, the lions themselves are all like, yeah. So we're just going to have the coalition of gay lions, rar and <laughs> <laughs> oh, gay lions. Yeah. That, so I've actually brought back that joke lately. My lions, tigers, and bears joke. I remember that joke. That was a good joke. It I'm, is a good uh, joke. That's why I brought it back. <laughs> I did it. What? I had. It. I went and did Alameda Comedy Club. I'm just gonna get off on a tangent about. The comedy club I went and did like Break it. last week. And yep. Alameda Comedy Club went down there. Fucking excellent club. If you're in the Sacramento Bay Area and you're looking to go check out Open Mic, email them on Monday and get on the Thursday night showcase because it's a fucking fire room. And they freaking record your set, which I haven't got my recording back yet, but they record your set for like 10 bucks. Is that going to be uh, posted to your Facebook page? Uh, or to I'll your um, post it to my YouTube when I get it up, get it back and uploaded. Yeah, post it to your YouTube and get us a link for the uh, listeners. That's gonna be a really good. I had a good set. 
Like, it was a set that I came off stage and I was like, I had a good set. <laughs> I had a fucking good set. Like, it just, <laughs> it was You're like, my, it was one of my best sets in a while and I got it recorded. It's like one of those things where it's like, I want to get this fucking tape back because that's like something I'm going to find something in there and send out for probably Booker's little clip. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I mean, just having something that you can be like, here's my sizzle reel. You're, you're just like on stage, and you're like, this is a good set. And you walk off stage, and you're like, that was a good set. <laughs> I say it on stage. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I highly recommend Alameda. But anyway, I guess we can move on. What do we want to do next? I, I don't know what they – I'm just going to just let you pick because I don't okay. know what they are. Um, Let's – uh, we'll save – one for God, you can tell we have we, you can tell we haven't done this in like yeah we haven't done this in a while let's do this one portland pickles mascot suggestive pick gets team in a real pickle this one's from the huff post again izzy likes the huff post i guess izzy is lazy okay <laughs> izzy is lazy izzy looks up weird news and then whatever i can get out of one place i get it Oh my god, that's fucking hilarious. The team claims Dylan the Pickle wasn't showing his junk, just giving the thumbs up. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious because I know this comic named Dylan Collins out of Chico who hates pickles. And I almost want to fucking... I'm, I'm send him, him this what, article. I'm going to send him this article. Dylan the Pickle. The Portland Pickles basketball baseball team is in a real pickle after the team mascot posted a photo on social media that may have left a sour taste in fans' <laughs> mouths. <laughs> on Wednesday, the minor league team decided to let Dylan, their dill pickle mascot, take over the team's Twitter page. Mascot Twitter takeover. Our mascot Dylan will be taking over our Twitter account now. Our next tweet will be him. Feel free to ask any questions or just show your support. Where's this? Okay. That, yeah, that looks pretty normal. It's That's the next normal. post. Okay. However, it was the next post that really aroused interest, especially since it was cropped in a very well suggestive manner. Oh. <laughs> 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 New phone. Who does that? It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Oh my god, that's great. That's fucking great. A few minutes after that post, it appeared that the pickles had soured on the mascot takeover. <laughs> it's come to our attention that this photo can be misinterpreted as a disturbing image. The next post read, Dylan would like to go on record and say that he was trying to give his fans a thumbs up. We have ended our mascot take. That's funny. <laughs> oh, that is fucking funny. Yeah, so, sure. I he mean, was trying to. He probably saw that it looked like a dick, and he was like, "I'm gonna do this." And then they're like, "Man, I don't know if you should." And he's like, "No, nah, I'll do it. It'll be fine." And then if they do say anything, I'll just say I was trying to give the thumbs up. But that dude knew what he was doing. Sure, he knew what he was doing. But also, you know, he's he's in a mascot costume. He's trying to take a selfie, like. Ain't the easiest True. thing in the world to do. So I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway there, but he knew what he was doing. Yeah, exactly. A short time later, the team tried to turn the incident into a cautionary tale and warn followers to always double check before posting. That's funny. That's hilarious. That is before hilarious. you post them to your company's social yeah. account, Help. because sometimes you might have a photo that looks like your mascot is exposing himself to everyone. 
However, many Twitter users suspected the posting of the pervy pickle pick was no accident since the team tagged Oscar Mayer, Corn Nuts, and Manscaped in the tweet, among others. People had thoughts. Can safely say that I did not expect to see the mascot anatomy on my timeline tonight. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Mom, come pick me up. The mascots are big horny. Horny I'm scared. <laughs> That's stupid. That that's not kosher. Oh, that's hilarious. That, jarring. It's jarring. jarring. Oh man, that's crazy. Oh, so. Yeah, he probably did do that on purpose. It's a big publicity stunt. Now we know that there's a fucking Portland Pickles team. Yeah, we know there's a Portland Pickles team, and we know how big his, you know, pickle is. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> funny. That is So, you, okay, you know what they need to do, seriously, if I was this team? What? The next thing I would do is I would take a cropped photo of the cropped photo, uh-huh. and then I would put a logo or, like, words above it that says, show us your pickle. <laughs> that's funny. They, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I've, I've went on a recent kick lately of photoshopping my one of my headshots <laughs> into, like, these fucked, fucked up, like, photos, like Planned Parenthood and dilapidated houses in Detroit. <laughs> and what inspired this is one of my friends was showing me this lady's Instagram account who's, like, one of his friend's mom or something. But anyway... She takes her pictures and photoshops them over like these, like, you know, beaches and ocean views and stuff. <laughs> and it's just so fucking cringe, dude. We were laughing our asses off at it in Mendocino Farms. And I was like, dude, I'm going to do the opposite of that. And you've I, seen those that I've been posting. I, I have. That, that's, I've been doing those. I've did a pretty good bit. No, you did. You've done a pretty good job, dude. Like, I kind of want to see her photos because I'm just imagining this lady on a beach and the lighting doesn't match and it's just great. Dude, I'll have to try to find it and send it to you. But it's hilarious. That, that poor lady. Somebody needs to take her on a vacation. She's got like apparently 500 posts. My buddy's like, she's been doing this for five years straight, every day, and I'm like, that's crazy. Jesus. I wonder how far I can keep mine up. I've got enough for a couple of days, but I got to keep making them. <laughs> gotta, well, once once you have the headshot trimmed out, though, it's pretty easy to just copy and paste it into any fucked up photo. Oh yeah, definitely. That's what I've been doing. I've got to. <laughs> there's many just, to come. Just just watch my Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> just look up a uh, murder sites and uh, cult. Like 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 things to do with cults, like rooms and altar rooms and that kind of thing. And you'll have a, a surplus, I'm sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Anyway, pickle mascot showed his uh his wiener. His team pride, yeah. Team pride. All right, I've got a couple more. Let's. See. You got you go to the bathroom there, and then like the the pickle thumb just comes out from under the stall beside you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh god, that's funny. All right, let's do this one. An atrocious email caused a mass resignation at a Kansas Applebee's. And this is from my arch nemesis, Vice News. <laughs> just... One of these days, he's going to get into a fight with the Vice News building. Yep. Not, not like the staff, but just like the building. Yeah. 
the email portrayed high gas prices and inflation as an opportunity for the company to rebuild its workforce and pay lower wages. What? Uh-huh. That's not cool, Applebee's. It's funny that this showed up in my news feed because I've been like just opening my bits lately at open mics, going and be like, hey, what's up, Applebee's? <laughs> Your phone heard you and was like, he likes Applebee's. I should tell him all the news. Yeah. They're like, Applebee's actually sucks. <laughs> hey, Applebee's is a place to get tore the fuck up, though. Really? Applebee's don't give no shits about how much liquor. They say it's 1.25 ounces, but they're not telling the truth. <laughs> that's, that's why they're America's favorite neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Applebee's, come get crunk with us. Exactly. <laughs> Five hours into Jake Holcomb's shift as the manager at an Applebee's in Lawrence, Kansas. Last Monday, a co-worker came in to eat with a friend and asked him if he'd seen the email. Holcomb's colleague was referring to the now infamous message from Wayne Pankratz, an executive at the franchise group that operates the Lawrence restaurant and dozens of others. The email, which was sent to other executives at the franchise group, that operates the Applebee's and later forwarded to the Lawrence store portrayed high gas prices and inflation as an opportunity for the company to rebuild its workforce and pay lower wages. Most of our employee base and potential employee base live paycheck to paycheck. Pankratz wrote in the March 9 email, any increase in gas prices cuts into their disposable income as inflation continues to climb and gas prices continue to go up. That means more hours employees will need to work to maintain their current level of living. The labor market is about to turn in our favor, the email continued. Wayne Pankratz of Applebee's says higher gas, blah, blah, blah. Though that's just, we've already said that. Right. That's crazy. When Holcomb read the note, he quit on the spot. Before he left, however, he printed out about two dozen stacks of the email, showed them to his co-workers, and put them up all over the store. On the tables, the bar tops, the host stand, the doors, even the computer terminals. He gave everyone in the restaurant their food for free. We didn't even close the store. <laughs> Told Jesus, me. shit. In the week's... Since the email was sent, a mass exodus has happened at the restaurant. Four out of six managers and at least ten other workers either quit on the spot or handed in their notices, according to workers. The tone-deaf message, screenshots of which were later posted to Reddit, was the breaking point for some workers. They told Vice News they've been underpaid, overworked, and mistreated by their company during a time of un unprecedented stress in the service industry. This was kind of a straw that broke the camel's back situation where everyone was feeling unappreciated and we were understaffed, said Adrian Kelly, a 22-year-old bartender and server at the Lawrence Applebee's who quit Monday. And then this email was so atrocious that it kind of just tipped everyone over the edge. I just got to pause here for a second and be like, Vice is covering a fucking Applebee's in some small-ass town somewhere. Just like this one Applebee's. It's like, yeah. this isn't all Applebee's. This is just this one Applebee's. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, It sounds like they're making like this one Applebee's into some like global conspiracy. But that's just me being crazy. That's just you being crazy. But it, it's, not really, it's not really a conspiracy. All companies treat 
their employees like this. I think one of the most surprising things I learned while I was in college was that most companies and their annuals, like their annual reports have like a dedicated firm for like in case they kill somebody just to just to give that money away hmm. in case they cause deaths. That's crazy. So when Jenna Willis t arrived at the restaurant the morning after Holcomb's shift and read the email, she also decided to quit. Oh my gosh, I was so mad, the former Applebee's manager told Vice News. I let the staff that showed up to open that morning read it, and they were livid. So I told them if we wanted to make money, we would open, but I didn't really feel like we should at that point. The staff agreed, and the store shut down for several hours. How can we continue to work for a company that doesn't care about us, Willis said. Both Applebee's and American Franchise brands which owns the Lawrence franchise have distanced themselves from Pankrat's email. Scott Fisher, a spokesperson for AFC Brands and Apple Central LLC, the subsidiary operating the Lawrence restaurant, told the Kansas City Star and Lawrence Journal World that the email was embarrassing. Applebee's chief operations officer Kevin Carroll said in a statement provided device news that Pankrat's email was the opinion of an individual, not Applebee's. Yeah, it's embarrassing because it got leaked. Yes. On Monday, Applebee's corporate office confirmed to Vice News that Pankrat's had been terminated. Or team members... <laughs> and then, like, a guy from the future comes down and he's all like, are you Pankrat's? And he's like, yeah. And he just starts shooting him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then all the people went and started working at Applebee's again. So, <laughs> and they lived happily ever after. The, the villagers were all like, "Yay, Pancras is dead!" <laughs> our team members are the lifeblood of our restaurants, and our franchises are always looking to reward and incentivize team members, new and current, to remain within the Applebee's family. Carol said, "Because we're America's favorite neighbor." Yeah, we pay. We pay them $2.25, but, you know, we know they're worth more. Yeah. An email and phone call to Pankratz went unreturned, as did emails to the company's area director and its regional vice president, both of whom were CC'd on the original email. Overwork and low paid. Like other restaurant chains around the country operating during the pandemic, Applebee's has struggled to hire employees many of whom left the service industry entirely for more stable and less demanding work. More than 10% of jobs in accommodations and food services were open in January, compared to only 7% of all positions in the U.S., according to Bureau of Labor Statistics data. Last May, Applebee's even hosted a National Hiring Day to try to bring on 10,000 new employees across the U.S., the company promised potential candidates a voucher for a free appetizer. We'll give you a free appetizer if you want to come mm -hmm. work with for us. <laughs> it's like, it's like you, you dummy, you can just fucking get hired and eat all the free appetizers you want. Mm-hmm. No. Oh. Once they completed an interview. Okay, look, so you get an appetizer for fucking doing a job interview. Man. But the promise of a few free mozzarella sticks didn't make much of a dent in the shortage. Kelly started working as a bartender and server at Applebee's last month. Honestly, with our turnover rate, Kelly said with a laugh, that's a pretty solid timeline. 
Sometimes Kelly said the bartender is the only person at the restaurant aside from the chefs and the manager. Some days that's fine, but it's a college town, Kelly told Vice News. It can get kind of busy out of nowhere. There were some days that we had servers who were very stressed about it. Willis would do four interviews a day and hire most of the people she spoke with, she said, but that wasn't enough to solve the shortage either. We wouldn't get anybody to actually show up to the store after being hired, Willis said. Probably because you paid them shit. They just came for the free appetizers because yeah. no one can fucking afford to eat. Yeah, let's get the free apps. <laughs> it was like, I want some. Ooh, what would you get for appetizers if you... Uh, uh, I like their spinach dip. I like spin- the spinach you get the spinach yeah. dip? I, I don't know, man. I'd probably get the... Uh, I'd have to go with mozzie sticks, probably. Yeah, that sounds good, too. Yeah. Ooh, mozzarella sticks dipped in spinach dip. Ooh. Ah, yeah. When Jonah Wirginis began working at the store six months ago, it was trial by fire. My first day that I bartended at Applebee's was because I showed up in the morning and the bartender didn't show up. And my manager is like, hey, you're on bars today. Wirginis, who had no experience making cocktails prior to working at Applebee's, told Vice News, the reason for the understaffing was fairly simple. Employees weren't making enough money prior to the pandemic, Willis said. Servers could expect to make 100 to 150 per night. Now, post-COVID, it's like 60, she told Vice News. Well, that explains why their drinks are so fucking loaded. They're like, hey, kid, you're 22. You want to make drinks for all the people? And the kid's like, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day, where Guinness recalled he worked a double shift from 10.30 a.m., to 1.30 a.m. because another bartender didn't show up. That day I did the best. I made about 2.50 where Guinness recalled, but it was a long day and for how much? I mean, he worked what? That's like 14 hours? Yeah. Pretty much. Managers apparently weren't much better off. Willis worked for a year and a half as a salaried manager making 40000 a year but she often worked 60 hours a week at the restaurant. I took home work with me too. She took like home fucking cheese sticks and made them. Like free apps. Free apps. Yeah. She's like, these are the free apps I didn't give away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She just puts them in her purse. Yeah. Oh. In January, she took a full-time job somewhere else and has since reduced her role to an hourly manager working two days a week at the restaurant. The employees prior experience with the higher-ups didn't help matters much either. Willis recalled an interview she'd had with Pankratz last year when she was up for a promotion. That man is something else of himself, she said of Pankratz. He would ask me a question and then he wouldn't even give me an opportunity to actually answer it before he was already answering it and explaining it to me as if I didn't understand it from the beginning. You could just tell Pankratz didn't care about the employees, Holcomb said, attributing his perception to Pankratz's overall demeanor of the email, Willis said. I would have expected that from him. Fisher, the spokesperson for the AFC Brands, told the Kansas City Star that Pankratz doesn't have the authority to create policy for our company for the brand or anything. Both Willis and Holcomb, however, said that Pankratz had much more power than the company suggested. 
The other people at the company take what Pankratz says very seriously and kind of blindly support him, Willis said. So people supported that guy and ripping people off, huh? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's how you make money in business. Fisher also suggested to the star that the email may have been written in the mi- in the middle of the night. <laughs> Making money in my sleep. <laughs> gonna fire employees. <laughs> Give them apps for free. <laughs> um, oh, fucking chef's kiss. Yeah. Absolutely. A copy of the email obtained by Vice News shows the timestamp on Pankrat's March 9th email at 3.52 p.m. local time. How can we continue to work for a company that doesn't care about us? Pankrat's email wasn't the first time the company has drawn national scrutiny. In 2018, after an incident at an Apple Central-owned restaurant in Missouri, where two black diners were racially profiled, Apple Central shut down that location and six others in Missouri and Kansas. Applebee's later sued Apple Central's principal shareholder, William Georges, for $11 million, alleging failure to pay rent and other fees and significant brand and reputational damage. As a result of the incident, Applebee's voluntarily dismissed the lawsuit a few months later, according to court records. Applebee's did not respond to a request for comment on the lawsuit. So, doing damage control. On March 22nd, after the Lawrence store had been shut down for hours, two area directors from AFC Brands came to the store to do what multiple employees described as damage control with the workers who were left. We talked to them for a few hours and they made many many promises about things they're going to change where Guinness said, things have not changed yet, so have not gone back. I don't actually expect them to make any changes. It hasn't worked. Three people quit on Monday alone. A worker walked out in the middle of a shift, and Kelly and another employee put in their notices in solidarity, Kelly said. I believe the management is waiting for the issue to fade away rather than take the opportunity to fix all the problems it's facing, so I don't see a reason to stick around, he said. They're probably letting all those people quit so they can hire new people. And yeah, just, I just turn them through. Yeah. One silver lining of the fallout for restaurant workers has been sticking together in their response to the email. The employees and the managers have been pretty tight on the issue. We were all kind of united about it, Kelly said. There's a lot of support for each other. That's been really good. Public backlash has been swift and widespread, too. Willis shared the email in a local Lawrence Facebook group while Holcomb's friend posted screenshots on the subreddit r slash anti-work. That post has received more than 75,000 upvotes and 5,200 comments as of Tuesday. And just like that, I never ate at Applebee's again. <laughs> 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 Chef's kiss. <laughs> Finn. Finn. <laughs> Holcomb said he hopes people in similar situations take note of the response and support that Applebee's workers who quit have received from people in Lawrence and across the country. Holcomb said that he was even offered a job after he did a radio interview about the email. I really hope that more and more people see what's happening 
and see the support that the community has given everybody that chose to leave, Holcomb said. I hope that people realize they don't have to be walked all over by the company that they work for. I mean, that's a really fucking, you know, you know that's a good point. If you think about it, if the if they don't have people to work there, then they don't have fucking business. Sure. And if you don't your take people, care of you, if people don't realize that if people all got together and was like, you know what, we don't like this about the job, let's just all fucking walk out. And if people did that, then employers could, you would be in control. When they say seize the means of production in communism, are they talking about their cell, yourself? Because aren't you technically yes. the means of production? No, th- no, they're actually doing that. That's that's what that's part of what that means. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. So the other part of it is is when you look at the Stalinistic tactics of these companies where they value uh, money over lives and money over pretty much everything else. Like they can afford to pay these people more. They can afford to do more for these people, but they see them as something that you know that you don't fucking care about. Like I know that recently you had a job where you felt underappreciated. Um, yeah. And, and, and you know it's rough to live. It's it's rough to work well, like I mean, that. It's kind of rough to work for a place sometimes where you're making like the same that they charge for a Paps Blue Ribbon. Yeah, fourteen dollars yeah, exactly. for a Paps Blue Ribbon. I wasn't making that an hour. You're fucking that, I mean, that, that, Paps that's ridiculous. Blue Ribbon. You know how much Paps Blue Ribbon is, right? Oh God, yeah. 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 It's, it's not it's, fourteen dollars. Like, Paps Blue Ribbon is like the natty the natty ice of cheap beer. Like you know, you just. It's not worth much. If you're spending fucking $14 on Paps Blue Ribbon, you're making poor life choices. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. For $14, you should be drinking much better than that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I, like we, you know, I lived at a, I, you know, I worked at a job with you a long time ago when we worked at Hardee's and, yep. you know, my boss just straight up looked at me and told me in the middle of a lunch rush, you know, you're going to hell, right? Like she told me that while I was working. Yep. Oh, I've got another one from my arch nemesis. Vice. Vice News. This is uh, near me. Homeless people can now move into $15,000 tiny homes in San Francisco. Okay, if they're homeless, how are they going to get $15,000 for a tiny home? I think that's just the cost of the home. They're not actually charging them. Let's read and find out. <laughs> and they're like, no, you got to have $15,000. He's like, well, all I've got is the ability to shit on the sidewalk. <laughs> There's an app for that. The 64 square foot private units have a locking door, heat, a window, and a bed, among other furniture, although the community shares bathrooms. It's like fucking... Uh, $8,000 a month for one of those, probably. <laughs> I actually don't look that bad. I mean, it looks nice from the picture that I see. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually wanted to, to build a tiny home for years, and I've been doing research about tiny homes, uh, you know, and it, like villages springing up around, and they're all kind of like this. They're all pretty nice. So homeless people in San Francisco are being offered the opportunity to temporarily move into a village of 64... 64- 64 square foot tiny homes that each cost $15,000 to build. The first 30 private units opened last week between Market and Mission Streets in downtown, and another 40 will soon become available. Each unit has a locking door, heat, a window, and a bed, among other furniture. 
though the community will share bathroom services will also be provided on site by the nonprofit Urban Alchemy and funded by the city of San Francisco. Now that's good, but you yeah, know what? Right. With doing that, those people aren't homeless anymore. Yeah, so they have to kick them out as soon as they move in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're not homeless. You lied to me. Get out of here. Get. <laughs> Now I wonder how long it is that they could stay there. Uh, temporarily. Let's That's... read. <laughs> so far, newcomers seem to be eager to try out the village, which is on undeveloped land used as a city-sanctioned tent encampment during the pandemic. It's an alternative to the massive congregate shelters that have become synonymous with the homeless crisis, despite sometimes being considered undignified. Everybody sleeping in a tent was given the option that they could stay in a tent, albeit not in this location. They could get placed into a group shelter, or they could have one of these rooms, said Elizabeth Funk, the founder and executive chairman of the nonprofit Dignity Moves, which developed the village in partnership with many other groups. 100% have said, are you kidding me? I'm definitely moving in. The units, which Funk compared to dorms, are portable, so when the landowner wants their property back, the homes will just move somewhere else. The village is currently based on land owned by a private developer that's working on a low-income housing project, but is awaiting all their real estate entitlements. In the meantime, San Francisco is leasing the property, Funk said. The tiny homes are also more cost-efficient to construct than the group shelters some homeless people have started to turn against. According to Funk, even when accounting for the additional cost of other on-site necessities like dining, buildings, case manager offices, and a computer lab, total cost runs about 30000 per person. Hmm. So tiny homes have already been taken up by other cities, albeit occasional concerns that officials are focusing on temporary solutions, rather addressing the root causes of homelessness. Villages similar to the ones in San Francisco have cropped up in Bozeman, Montana, Los Angeles, Albuquerque, and more. Well, there's been in Los Angeles forever. There's like, isn't like Skid Row not the homeless encampment in L.A. or some shit? Yeah, I wouldn't know. I'm not familiar should, with California. I should, know. I should know that. I need to go to L.A. I need to go to L.A. and go to the comedy store. We can talk about that later, though. Absolutely. After the after we, after we this article. So, the pandemic, despite all its horrors, has allowed cities to experiment with more palatable and sometimes cheaper alternatives to congregate shelters to address their affordable housing issues. The federal government reimbursed cities that put unhoused people in hotel rooms, and some officials have since considered outright buying hotels and motels for similar purposes. Safe camping sites, once the byproduct of cities pursuing last-ditch solutions to control where homeless people could and could not sleep, also proliferated, as did new tiny home communities. We have to be very careful to say this is not an alternative to permanent housing, Funk said. A lot of people who are very flustered are saying the city is just going to do this and not build permanent housing. That's not an option. That's not what these are for. These, 
This is an alternative to group shelters, especially for people who have gone through trauma, don't want to be in a group home, and would rather be in their tent to have some privacy. Funk has been an impact investor for 18 years running venture capital style funds that invest in companies with a social or environment, environmental bent, most recently dedicated to poverty alleviation and low-income housing in Latin America. So when the pandemic hit, she wanted to help a bit closer to home. And homelessness is just staring me in the face, literally, Funk said. There was a tent across the street from my home in Pacific Heights. After she and others formed a task force dedicated to the problem, she learned that the permanent affordable housing isn't being built quickly enough to meet the needs of the many homeless people on waiting lists for a place of their own. Instead, they're left to choose between a congregate shelter and an encampment as they bide their time. Who? So... You go to an encampment and offer somebody a room in a group shelter and you're lucky if one out of ten will take it, Funk said. It started to occur to me maybe we're selling a product nobody wants. The tiny homes in San Francisco are more secluded and personalized. Funk noted that during the move-in process last week, a homeless man burst into tears as worker... I thought they were going to say burst into flames. <laughs> <laughs> burst into tears as workers carried a mattress into one of the rooms which advocates strive to make unique to each person another resident told the san francisco chronicle he liked the tiny houses because he didn't have to worry about his stuff being stolen or sleeping upright in a chair every night residents even got welcome baskets which they were particularly touched by funk said they they were touched by the baskets they Not they opened up the I open up the baskets and it's just like a bouquet of meth. <laughs> God damn, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. That's the last article I got. But yeah, I was talking about going to L.A. to, to the comedy store, right? You're yeah, gonna go buy some jokes, store. huh? You're gonna go buy some jokes? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna buy some jokes. But I was actually watching one of the the little docu series on uh, Amazon about the comedy store, mm -hmm. and apparently people sell jokes like that. They do. Do they really? Jokes. Yeah, yeah. People sell jokes. That I mean, that's not surprising, but yeah, dude, it was just talking about how the comedy store was like important to the Tonight Show and all that shit because it's down there. I just I don't know. I want it's one of the places. Then I want to go check out for sure because yeah. that's like comedy mecca, I guess. <laughs> it's the seven hills of the uh, of the comedy scene. The seven hills, <laughs> San Francisco gay mecca. Oh yeah, <laughs> San Francisco. One for each color of the rainbow. <laughs> oh wow, is that ch there's seven colors in the rainbow? Yeah, guy. Oh man, that's crazy. Which is why I wrote the joke and sent it to you. Seven hills, one for each color of the rainbow. Oh shit, <laughs> that's that's fucking funny. I didn't even <laughs> that that's that's a smart joke too. I don't even. Did you send me that joke? Yeah, I sent you a whole list. It's a whole paragraph of jokes that I wrote. Okay. You were like, "Yeah, let's write jokes together," and I sent you like two solid paragraphs of jokes. I'm gonna have to go back in my my uh, scroll back up and look at them. Yeah, like, scroll back up and look. I think you were at work that night, or you were at a show, one or the Probably other. Probably so. 
that's what I'm doing later today. I'm going to work door at a show. Maybe get a guess at, maybe not, but you're gonna be like, I'm the door of this show. You're gonna have to search me to find the handle. <laughs> yes. I'll I'll do little beeps to let you know when you're getting warmer. It's like I'm brick road. <laughs> I've turned myself into a dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hell yeah. Oh, that fucking game. What has uh, been going on in, other than the, the world being crazy? Dude, the world's just been going crazy, man. Uh, you know, like, that's really been pretty much it. Just lots and lots and lots of the world going crazy. Uh, I, I was trying to look for articles that, you know, that, that are, like, super funny, but it, it's all just, like, yeah, has... war and awful and war. Yeah, I had to be a bummer with the homelessness, too. It was just, like, thought it was cool about tiny homes. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. Like, I'm glad that these people are able to get a home for themselves because... Um, yeah, it's a real problem, dude. Like, it's a problem in Sacramento, too. Like, I live by the Capitol and the park over there, like, a couple of weeks ago, they're starting to... We're starting to build up a little line of tents, but they came around and run them off, but still. Yeah. It's that way here in Huntsville, too. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but Huntsville was one of the leading uh, cities in the nation during the opioid crisis. Uh, apparently, there was a huge crackdown here in Huntsville in the Tennessee area. Yeah. Uh, because they were just giving opioids out like they were candy. Uh, I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't know that. I would have, you know, they, got free opioids. Oh, you're talking about like in the ERs if you went in there? Yeah. Yeah, like just everywhere. Uh, the doctors, pain clinics and stuff like that were all just like, like Lord super prescribing. Shit, yeah, yeah, they were like that. super I had, prescribing. I had a freaking roommate that I used to live with that went to the like Huntsville Hospital for chest pains. They sent him home with a prescription for Lortabs. The fuck? Yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? So crazy. because of that, it caused a huge addiction problem here in this area. And so a lot of older people lost their homes and became homeless. So we've got little tent cities that sort of popped up everywhere, but Huntsville is trying their best to kind of, you know, sweep them under the rug. Yeah. I, I heard stories of people that I, that I used to live down there and work with. It was like, someone was like, yeah, my dad was a, said their dad was a police officer and he used to pick them up and take them and leave them outside the city limits. What? Yeah. That, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I've heard some, I've heard some. I've heard some stories about some of the police officers here in town. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. So you got anything else? We're pulling into the station almost. Pulling into the station. Uh, so I just released an album called Ugliest Meow Club. Uh, it can be streamed or purchased anywhere. Uh, go and check me out. That's Ismea Brown, I-Z-M-E-I-A-H Brown. Uh, like the color, no relation. Um, and yeah, just uh, let me know what you think about it. Send me some love. Yep. Uh I really, I've got shows, but nothing you're probably going to come to. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> out there listening to this, because let's be real. If you, uh, if you know me, you know me and you're going to be at my show anyway. Probably. And if you don't, you're if halfway you across the world. If so. you don't just follow my social media, my, my Instagram, which I haven't been posting stuff, but I've started posting these stupid fucking photos of me, my headshot, just pointing at fucked up situations, I guess. How would you describe that? Describe those pictures that I'm making? I, personally, I think they're fucking hilarious. So uh, I would say that they're kind of disturbing pop art. 
<laughs> disturbing pop art. Uh, you should. You know what you should do? You should get some of those filter programs so that you can make them look extremely artistic and weird. Dude, hold on. I'm gonna send you the most recent one that I made. You'll probably get a kick out of it. I feel like you will. Hold I mean, on. more than likely, you know me. Oh, we get to see my live reaction. This is gonna be a brick through the window moment. God damn it! I'm going to hell for that one, huh? Oh my fucking god, I was not expecting that. <laughs> what were you expecting? Not that. I don't know what I was expecting, but not that. <laughs> Oh my god. The, the, what sells it is the fact that you're transparent. <laughs> you're like the you're like the fucking Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I got hold on. Here's another one for you. Uh, god damn it. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it gets it gets better. Oh my god. I've, I've got more. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> okay, so that one, it, the, the, there should be a title on it that goes bang bang. <laughs> <laughs> bang bang. Here's the. Oh, that one's good. <laughs> I, got, I got one more. I got one more. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I'm, and I'm going to post all those to Instagram like every please, day. Please, please post these all to Instagram. I'm, oh, I'm, those are great. I'm, I'm going to post one a day like that crazy lady and just like have fucking weird shit like this because I think that's funny. Dude, those are fucking hilarious. <laughs> I like the one. Oh my. I like the one with the mushroom cloud. <laughs> that yeah, the funny. mushroom cloud one is good. The fuck that headshot is fucking great. It applies to so many. You're gonna be your, you're gonna be your own fucking meme. Yes, that's this, this is the meme now. Just <laughs> oh man, you should you should upload this to like r slash dank memes or whatever. That'd be funny. Anyway, that's gonna be it for us. This has been episode fifty five. We got anything else for him, Izzy? We love you guys and thanks for watching or listening. Listening. Yeah, we'll watch you could be watching. Watching with your ears. Thanks for if you're on acid, thanks for seeing the sounds. <laughs> we love you guys.